0: I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can't dance all night long.
1: Uh, You've been talking to the apes and the giraffes and chimpanzees again, haven't you? Yes, I'm excited! Good evening, everybody. Fast Freddy here coming to you live from the Youngstown studio in beautiful downtown Youngstown. And man, do we have a show tonight. Just look at this crew here. You know, just by looking at this crew, it's going to be great. Uh, The star of our show tonight is Emil Denzio. And Emil is known as the greatest bank burglar in the world. Not just in Youngstown, Ohio, not just in the United States, in the world. And also with me, we got two uh, other special guests. We have Uh, Johnny Ciccatelli and he's a film producer and uh, a a crime podcaster and uh, James Naples is also here and he also has a very successful crime podcast going a lot of it's based on Youngstown so uh, let's start with Johnny and then we'll go with James and then we'll get to the star of the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got involved in the crime scene (laughs) and and some of the projects that you've worked on in the movies and everything, because uh, you're you're really into it.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I don't want to spend the whole hour or whatever talking about that, (laughs) but it's uh, it's, you know, complicated, long story. Um, But, you know, I've I've been doing this stuff for over 20 years now. Um, Just been researching this guy right here was the first person I ever started to really research. Uh, 20 years ago. I don't know if you know that anymore. I never even told him. But I was in film school in uh, in Orlando, Florida. I was like 18 years old. And a uh, producer, documentarian came in and gave a class and started talking about true stories that nobody really knows about and things that, you know, th- those are great fodder for documentaries. And I started to think, you know, there's so many of those stories back home with Youngstown. Nobody really outside of Youngstown can appreciate or know and i started to to internet research at, eight, at age 18 searching what i could find on youngstown and uh some of the true crime history and you know one of the first things that popped up was a uh, uh, an article on Emil denzio oh. and the uh and the you know his crew and their heists um you know most famously their laguna nigel heist right and uh that was I'll never forget. I went to Boom Boom Mancini when I got to California at like 20 years old, and I said, "Okay, Ray, I think we should do a movie about this heist in California." And he said, "Oh, that's a good idea. You know, that's a that's a good idea." And I and I it was a long, com, you know, complicated story. I got a hold of this author in in uh, uh, Keith Sharon, this guy who who was a newspaper reporter in California, and I offered to, you know make the movie with him i said you know we could write the screenplay and instead he pulled a screenplay out of his pocket out of his bag and he put it on the thing and said i've been trying to sell it for a couple years now Wow! and eventually that movie ended up coming out finally uh, a couple years ago now and finding steve mcqueen one they changed
3: They're the title
1: steve mcqueen they changed the title i had nothing to, to do
3: with that one <laughs> that was my nephew
1: uh-huh.
3: he got slick with somebody out there and yeah that's why they did it you know yeah but,
2: but i but yeah i i've I followed that project through the years because I thought, man, that's that's a, an easy made movie. How, you know, you can't mess that story up. And of course they did because they didn't tell it from Amel's perspective. Mm-hmm. That's that's where they dropped the ball on that movie. Right. So, you know, when the movie comes out, the real movie, the Amel story, it's going to be from Amel's perspective.
3: Well, here's what I told them. You know, my daughter, Amy Joe, she lives out in uh, Las Vegas. She told me on the phone, she said, hey, do you know they're making some kind of movie? On you? I said, what? I said, who's who's that doing that? And she said, with Harry. I said, you're kidding
2: me. That's his nephew.
3: So I got hold of the producer out there, and I I told him. In fact, I wrote him, and I got the letters and everything, and I told Harry, too. I said, listen, you was never in the vault. I said, you were monitoring the radios. You guys say anything about what happened in that vault? I'm gonna sue you. And that was about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I put a little scare to him anyhow, yeah. but it didn't do no good. <laughs> I asked Keith Sharon one time, after that they did it, I, oh, you know, I said-
2: The screenwriter. How could
3: you give a movie a name like that, Finding Steve McQueen?
2: <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it was, to Keith's credit, it was not his fault because the script that he showed me in uh, back in 2005 was called "Hail to the the Thief." I thought that's a decent yeah, thing. that now, was a bad,
1: right, right, because with the Nixon thing, uh, the Nixon tie that we'll get to and everything, so that would be the perfect w- title. W- would have been yeah. a better title. I right, agree. Right, I right. agree. Right.
2: But you know, if you we, if you want to watch, we we actually let Amel watch finding Steve McQueen. And we recorded his, his kind of reaction to uh-huh. it. That's on our YouTube channel. You <laughs> we'll uh, have to check that one out. Yeah. Find us amazing podcast company. That's on our, on our channel over there, but we've got Amel's reaction to that movie, which is pretty funny. Well,
1: and so then you went on from there and then you, but you still put a a, a project together about Youngstown.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. So eventually um, the idea I, I pitched to, to Ray Mancini, you know, Good guy out there in California, a Youngstown native um, in the film business. Kind of my only connection. Right. Right. Was I grew up down the street from Jack Lowe's sister who put us in touch with Boom Boom. And that, you know, that was the way to go. And uh, I pitched him that, you know, doing a documentary on on Youngstown. And eventually he called me back and he said, you know, let's let's do that idea. And we made a movie called Youngstown Still Standing with Ed O'Neill and a bunch of other people, Kelly Pavlik's in it. Um, back in 2010 and after that i I ended up getting hired at fox sports worked out there in california for a few years still making movies writing screenplays doing all that stuff and eventually i came back here to youngstown to do uh to do more movies Mm -hmm. and before you know it the movie business changed right around that time podcasting became a big deal yeah and Suddenly, it was easier to get a podcast made than a movie. you know. Right, right. And uh, before you knew it, I ended up working with Mark Smerling on Crooked City, and we did the Crooked City podcast. And, you know, that's kind of where I event- eventually ended up meeting Emil through. And, and uh, you know, and here we are a couple of years later now. We're about to do our show, our February 9th at the Robbins Theater.
1: Yeah, that's going to be fun. Now, for people that are just joining us, I see uh, Jay Bird wants to know what's up tonight. For people that are just tuning in, uh, we have a great show here this evening. Uh, With me is two crime podcasters here. We've got Johnny Ciccatelli. We've got James Naples. And we've got a man that many say is the greatest bank burglar of all time, Amel DeNizio, and you're going to get a chance mm-hmm. to meet Amel uh, at the Robbins Theater coming up on uh, Friday night. Right, that's this Friday, ninth. Yes. yes, and uh, so uh, we were just talking here a little bit with Johnny. Now, James, tell us a little bit about your podcast and some of the stuff that you got going on because you got some stuff really rocking and have been. You got a pretty big following.
4: Yeah, so we've uh, Johnny and I we met actually through work. Uh, WKBN. I was an overnight photographer. He was a producer there. And uh, everybody thought we had already known each other because we were both big into, into yeah. the mob history and all that kind of stuff. And he was just on the tail end of Crooked City. And I said, hey, why don't we do something here with all this history we have here? Mm-hmm. And so we decided to create a Facebook group called Youngstown Mob. And that thing's taken off. We're over 31,000 members now. Right, right. You know. Uh, and so me and him, we've been doing the Youngstown Mob Talk Lives and just you know talking about mob history here in the Valley. And it's just taken off and, you know, it's opened up great things for us. And, uh, you know, allowed us to do this show with Emil, which is awesome. I'm excited about it. So, oh, yeah, uh, you know, everybody out there, make sure you come out Friday night robin's theater and come see amel it's gonna be awesome yeah
1: and make sure you check you follow you guys on facebook too because you
4: get into some spirited discussions on there sometimes
1: i some of the stuff that gets said on that uh get some people pissed off a little bit and uh it's it's some interesting interesting conversations on there
4: absolutely sometimes you know johnny and i we got to kind of step in and kind of lower the tempo in the room but uh you know people they you know once we get in there say hey you know let's yeah. Calm us down a little bit. They're usually pretty good. Right. A lot of right. We don't have right. Too many problems so they could
1: check that out. And the name of that again is.
4: Youngstown Mob. It's the Facebook group. Right. And then we also run the Pittsburgh Mob Facebook group. Oh, as okay. Well. So they can get uh, two for one there.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now let's get to Emil. Now, Emil, you weren't in the mob, were you? You you no, were just no. a, your own guy, right? No, I just knew a few of them. Mm-hmm. I would imagine in that line of work that you're going to come across some guys that. <laughs>
3: well, like Lenny Strollo. Mm-hmm. I knew him since I was 13 years old. My dad had the place there at Road, and the Cala Road at 165 there. And then they closed the lake off and stopped all the traffic coming out of uh, Bessemer, Pennsylvania. And that's when the restaurant went down. Mm-hmm. But Briar Hill, Jimmy, and there was a sheriff, I forget his name. But anyhow, they had good connections. and. He had the one arm bandits in the back room. I was just a young kid. Lenny Stroller would come to fix the gambling bingos and all that. And if if rolls were short a few pennies, he'd give me the rolls right to the back room and, <laughs> and run arm bandits down, right? Oh, yeah. So I got to know him pretty good. And uh, over the years, we were robbing banks. And we went into the stripping business. And actually, the banks put us in that business. Uh-huh. You know, we didn't have no money. Right, we we're just poor. Yeah, but then we start getting money, and when you start getting money,
2: you
1: want more money,
3: and then you want more money. <laughs> yeah.
2: I always laugh. I always got you know anybody listening out there who has no clue strip mining. We're talking strip mining business, right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, see, so you got yeah. Go ahead.
3: Strip mine like we we bought cases of dynamite with blue high wall. You know, we're stripping uh-huh. coal, so we could buy dynamite and ammonium nitrate, which, you know, it takes dynamite to set that off. It takes a hell of a bush. But anyhow, well, I wrote a book, okay, Inside the Vault, Right. and uh, I explain all this in the book, how we got to where we are. And we just found it was so easy to do. In fact, I had uh, my sister, she worked at Isley's in the Borman Plaza, and uh, I would take her to work. I was 16 years old Yeah. when we started robbing the banks, too. But I'd take her to work because she did, worked at Isley, and she was 15, year under me, right? So I'm sitting there in the parking lot one time, and I pulled her I see this guy in the Mahoney Bank. He's down in the window there pulling all these bags out of a night drop. I yeah. So I went back, and I told my brother. I said, this <laughs> eh, on robbing banks, we got to get that kind of money there. So it said on the window there, premises protected by diebold. And I said, "Diebold, what the hell is that?" We didn't know nothing, right? Yeah. Ordinary telephone book. We find diebold in Canton, Ohio. So we made a trip there. Okay. At
2: night. And This is my favorite part of the story: is getting getting just if you want to learn how to get beat a diebold system, you go down to Canton. That's Canada. where we
3: went. So. There's different buildings around there. First building we went in, we could see there was safes. Like, uh, you seen them big safes in Kroger's? Yeah. The big round doors on them. Right. Different stages of assembly, you know?
1: Some of the doors laying there. Also, oh, you went to the factory. Yeah. Right there oh, the factory. Okay. Also, oh, you're watching how they put these things together. You're, yeah. Okay. So you broke in here? Is that you snuck in? No, well, you didn't have to break in. Oh, went over uh, a fence, right? Oh, oh okay. okay. He
3: over the guard jack there. Yeah. He
1: didn't even move out of there. He just <laughs> stayed there. <laughs> and these are the guys that are in charge of the so-called the security for all these banks and stuff, and you can just walk in their plant practically. Well, we didn't go in the main office. Yeah. Nowhere, where right
3: big boys are yeah we're just out there in the yard
0: yeah so
3: we see this round door It's about a 24 inch i think they're real thick and heavy that's what they have on the the night deposits so we used a little two-wheeler and we stole that door (laughs) that door weighed three four hundred pounds it's heavy duty it's thick
1: (laughs) and so you guys robbed the company that made the safes yeah, and the alarms.
3: The round door. <laughs>
1: okay. We're, we're good. Now you know what—that's some sharp thinking. I got to tell you, to me that—that's like genius. I
2: don't think no. they expected. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely not.
1: Okay, when, so continue on. I don't want to interrupt that round
2: you.
3: Here. Door, how heavy it is and how big it is, and that's what they had on the nut drop, so nobody could, you know, take them. So we had to learn about that, and so we took that home. That didn't take long. Now we have to find out about the alarm system. So we've been another trip back to dybo and for the alarm system. And I, this is the truth. We're going around, I got the flashlight, I'm looking through the windows, right? I look in there and I see this one room and it's about a two foot by three foot or something. And I see all the stuff on it. I said, that looks like probably an alarm board. You know, it was for workers to train them so when that building looked around sure enough even had wires running to a night drop they had a phone night drop there had wires running to it they had it all set up to train train them guys so we just took the whole board <laughs>
1: The whole board out of that. Well, their training program must have worked pretty well yeah. because
2: it was uh I, see. I wonder what the next the next day or the next week when they these guys come in and they see that all their stuff is yeah, gone. They, they what they what gone. do they think? Yeah.
3: So then I took it to a friend of ours at new electronics. Said, we didn't know nothing, we don't know what's happening. Yeah, right away he started running his head ahead. He was a smart guy. So he came right out with it. He told us how it's working and everything. So <laughs> that's how we wind up building which in my book we called it the boss man because it did it you know yeah
2: the boss yeah yeah you'll be (laughs) able to will the boss man be at the show Emil what will the boss man be at the show no the boss man is gone but
3: there's another one I'm gonna bring there it took down ADT ADT lines back in them days yeah this murdered ADT, uh-huh. and ADT was a pretty good alarm. Right, right. But it was good because nobody knew what was happening.
2: But the, the, he, we'll get into all the the nitty gritty of the, um, you know, how to beat the alarms, how to get, right, to get past. We'll right. get into all that on our show. <laughs> on uh, yeah, we Friday. don't want to give too much away. Yeah. We want you to
1: buy the book. Well, we want you to come out to the show because
2: it's going to be a lot more
1: in depth than just our conversation here tonight. And
2: we're calling it a master class with a master burglar. So it's like he's, he's gonna he's gonna he'll teach you everybody how he did it back
4: in the day. and, but, and plus we're gonna have some Q and A with him. You know after the right show right right be able now now
1: questions. so now that you, you come in there with the boss man. And he showed you how to do this. So now you got to make him a part of the crew, right? He's Go in right. on it because, I, no. it, or, or he just, or was man. he just, was the boss man just, he showed you and that was it and didn't,
3: no,
2: no, no, didn't no. want to cut or Tell anything? What the
1: boss man is. The boss man,
3: it's a little complicated. Uh-huh. I mean, to even operate
1: yeah it's a you gotta find oh, oh the, the <laughs> you, you nicknamed the boss man is the is the the okay it's see old. i got a little a little yeah. off, it's off bypass there the alarm. oh okay it's it's but thing. but like the guy that that you took it to that showed you the electronics I
3: gave him percentage of money oh, okay i he, i was he wondered. built
2: he built the boss I man
3: took
2: good care. For, <laughs> for for amel and so amel went to his buddy the the, the electronics expert and they built, uh, after studying the oh, system... Oh, to override yes. the thing. And then that so, was, oh, that so was you, what they you, used. You,
1: okay, I was a little confused here. So you yeah. took the thing from, from Diebold, you stole their alarm like control panel or whatever, right. and then you took it out to this guy, and this guy says, here's how we're going to hook this the boss man up to it to override it. Right. Okay, well, I follow you now.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. The main control box
3: in banks with, with vaults is inside the vault. The only thing coming out of there is wires, telephone wires. You gotta get into telephone wires, sort them out, which is easy. A little $5 amplifier does that, because it's a ticking, it's ticking like your heart. Uh It was about 18 pulses a second, I think. As I remember, 16, 18 pulses a second. But it could drop some and the alarm wouldn't go off unless you made a dead kit. So that's what the boss man took care
1: of. I see. Okay, I'm following you now. So once you find the wires you want, you got to hook
3: onto them. Then you take it away from the building. Clear in the woods, wherever you want to go. 300 feet, 400, it don't matter. And that's where you actually flip the switch on the boss man, which then takes care of the alarm coming out of the bank. Wow. Use a double pull switch. <laughs> it's <laughs> the, the alarm is stopped at the double pull. When you flip your switch, it you cuts that out. Yours is in there automatic because you're producing the same thing, 18 pulses a second, wow. and you're going to get your money. Damn. <laughs> okay.
1: So you figure this out now. Did, did you practice on this beforehand or oh, yeah? so you had this like set up? Yeah. And then, then when did you pull your first heist when you just said, you know what, today's the day, this is what we're going to do. Let's, you know, because if, if I was you, I, and, and I'm sure you, you probably had to be ecstatic that you guys figured this out. You You had to be like, here's the key to all this free money. It went pretty easy.
3: It went pretty easy. Uh huh.
1: So, so how did this first one go down? What did you finally decide, like, all right, we got to try this. We got to make it happen.
3: Yeah. Well, we we knew what happened because we had the control box too. Uh huh. I think we paid eight hundred dollars for it for an employee from Diebold. <laughs> He's the one brought one out. Uh huh. And my friend in Canton actually bought the box from Diebold. It was the alarm just like in the vault. It was perfect. Wow. So. We knew what we were doing. Yeah. And when we start busting into the bolts, we had the dynamite because we bought cases of it. Yeah. We experimented at the mine first. We knew what we were doing. Uh Uh-huh. First bank vault we got, I ain't going to tell you where it's at. Okay. But first bank vault we got, it went down like a clock. You hear it just (laughs) like that and the holes through it. I'll tell you something else. Did you ever watch the movie Heat?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Heat? Where they put water in the safe and blew it apart? Yeah. You know where they got that from? Me. No kidding. They had to, because nobody ever did that <laughs> kind of stuff.
2: Was that heat or was that
3: the score? I'm trying to remember. Which one ever was. Yeah. 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 They put the water in there. They had to get that from the FBI or something probably, you know. Right. But.
2: Amos. Somebody did water, a little research into it. Yeah.
1: So, so did you, now, now I'm refresh me too. Now, did you put that like in the in the door? Did you drill holes or where did the water go and what did it ex- exactly it. do? Here's
3: what you do. It's not for bank vaults, you uh-huh. follow me? Yeah. But let's say your place here had a square door sitting back there, right? And you had jewelry in it. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Take the alarm off. You're going, you want to tip it on its back because around the door, you start putting water, it's going to splash out yeah but when you knock it over on its back with a pry bar uh-huh now it's on its back drill hole not through the door but you can if it yeah. if it ain't a tough one yeah and that's where you fill it with water and then you put a little bit of dynamite with a cap in there right down in there and touch it and the door go like that there uh-huh. and the door
1: and, and it doesn't even make a loud noise.
3: No, because <laughs> the water buffs. The door goes like this here. Pop it open.
1: Don't go all the way because the water is out now. You follow me? Now, I, you I mean? follow you 100%. Now, <laughs> did you ever think about going straight? I mean, you know, it, it, it sounds to me like you're a really smart man and that you figured right. all this stuff out. Did you ever think of like, going to college? Was that ever in your plans or anything? Or did you just it figure, works. hey, I'm self employed? <laughs> That damn IRS man. <laughs> well, they tried, man. I beat them too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So now, so now you you, you get on a roll doing this, right? Yep. Now, did you have to plan to? um not do it too often or cover your tracks? Did you want to not set a pattern? We covered our tracks pretty good. Uh-huh.
3: Okay. Until I did the wrong thing and bringing the wrong guy on the score.
1: Isn't that always what happens when you bring the wrong guy yeah, in? Wrong it usually guy. happens from the inside.
3: And in my book, I explain all that. Yeah. What yeah. happened. I ran it down. Uh-huh. So no sense
1: to here. Right, right.
3: But that's the whole key. Keep your mouth shut. That FBI didn't know what was going on. They didn't <laughs> know what's going on. Believe me.
1: Now, do you think with all the surveillance and stuff today that you'd be able to do this, or would it be a you lot know, harder with all the cameras and everything else?
3: Oh, they brought the first cameras came out in Cleveland, Ohio, there on uh, one of them streets. It was in a savings alone. Cameras don't. If you know the cameras there, it's no problem. Yeah. If they hide the camera somewhere, okay. But, you know, cameras are okay. What they do if, uh, say, I burglarized this place here on the street. Yeah. They go up and down the street. People got cameras now. They go to all businesses, and then they see a certain car and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
0: a lot easier to track.
3: That's why. Well, let me tell you something, and they know it. Yeah. We even had a railroad cart. <laughs> we built a railroad cart. Yeah. To ride on the rails. Really. That's right. No kidding. <laughs> if that town's, if there's a town over there. And the cops set out all night playing around. There's a railroad coming in there. We come on the railroad cart almost <laughs> up to the town, where we want to say, pick it up. It's light, carry it in a truck, set it off in the weeds. The trains can go on by and everything. And then we walk the little distance where we got to go and
1: do what we got to do. Oh, you're a freaking works. genius, Amy. <laughs> well, you are really. A, you know what? No, now, now, Joe that that runs this place here, he's kind of like a mad scientist type too. You can see he's in all kinds of stuff. Like you, you might have the wheels turning in in in, in his head. You might have come down here today, and you might have put this guy on an entirely different track right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, well. in a year or so, we might not see anything from the Youngstown studio anymore. Joe might be onto. No, man, I'll tell you what, you're a genius. Well, see, I, I'm not a genius all
3: by myself. I had my brother, you yeah. follow me? Uh-huh. He's a smart guy. We work together, yeah. you know? Sometime he come up with a good idea, and sometime me, and we, we talk it up. The thing is, we got the money. When we go after that money, we get it, okay? Very seldom. It has to be a freak accident
1: not to get it. Wow, the feds know this. Yeah. Now you be now you went all across the country doing this, right? Or- all you got to do back in them <coughs> days, just take a ride
3: any place you want to go. Indiana, I don't care where it is. Uh huh. Okay. Grab a phone book, see where Sears and Roebuck is, J.C. Penney's. You go to those places, they drop big bags down in the night deposits. Wow. When you open them, you know how they are. You open them up, we cut across them, rip them open. All the money's counted for you, everything.
1: Throw the checks to the side, take the cash. That's Amazing. how it works. Amazing. This is this is just completely amazing, man. You you guys really had this all figured out. Well, now now, so you had to have a rush, like after the first couple. You you really had to feel like you were to something, right? Did, did it really get the adrenaline pumping? And when you were doing this, were you pumped my up? Adrenaline
3: or? always pumped.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> and when you were counting, you probably really especially, went up, especially opening safe deposit boxes. Oh, okay. There's a lot in that. Okay. So now yeah. how did you open those? How did you crack those once you get in the safe and then you, you well, had to pop those and how did, how did you go about doing I'm that? I'm bringing the popper right with me Uh huh. to the show. Yeah. Oh, you got the popper <laughs> with oh, you. Yeah. Anybody can buy one. <laughs> really?
2: Anybody uh, can buy one. Now, now yeah. this
1: is worth the price of a ticket right here. You know,
2: you know what's great is, is, you know, he was 16 when he started doing this. So to me as a storyteller, well, I think of like uh catch me if you can remember that movie yeah frank abernail right there there's a story about a guy who just as a young man you know went on this life and like you said if you if, if anyone would have went straight he could have you know been a ceo or anything, whatever right he was a very smart guy very smart
1: then i would not went to jail <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> yeah those are the guys that get arrested right yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you were your own boss man you had your own company rolling so now now was that a little harder though when you had to get rid of the stuff from the safety deposit box that people had gold and all that stuff? No, that's easy to fence out. Really? Yeah, yeah. So do you had trusted people for that too, as well. I would imagine.
3: Everybody likes to make money, mm-hmm. and they make money on what we steal.
1: Oh yeah, that's so what both of
3: them too.
1: Yeah, and so they people. don't want to blow that because no, you know no, they want no, the no. golden goose, really.
3: Diamonds, right? gold, all kind of stuff in them boxes. Uh huh. Even got
1: uh, heroin. No wow. kidding. People yeah. stashing their drugs Dude, in those yeah, things. Yeah,
3: that surprised me. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. But it took it anyhow. Yeah. But it was heroin. And, <laughs> if uh, it's
1: in a safe deposit box, it must be something.
3: It wound up in Cleveland, Ohio, with buckers. That's uh-huh. where that Bakers. wound up, too. Uh,
1: how about that? Yeah. I yeah. forget what we got for it. but Yeah, it got something.
3: They were the bankers. Yeah. My friend up there, Butchie Sesterino, he knew them because they come to the barboat game and all that.
2: But Butchie <laughs> was his his like he just mentioned, you know, he played Barboot and he had contacts with this guy up in Cleveland, mob-connected guy. It was through him that the tip came through for the Laguna Nigel heist, the, the Richard Nixon tip, <laughs> right? That's how it happened. Wow. That, that, that's just amazing,
1: man. And uh, so you're just, uh, you know.
2: and it, it, Real quick, if anybody doesn't know that story of it, by the way, the Laguna Nigel heist is kind of, what that movie finding Steve McQueen was about. And, and, you know, it's the big one that Amel's kind of, uh, and, and his crew would became famous for, but that was a tip that came through from the, the someone in the teamsters that Jimmy Hoffa had given president Nixon, some, some, uh, some slush funds. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and if you know, Jimmy Hoffa had been, um, no, here's what imprisoned and, and he, any, he got and he his pardon. It.
3: Here's what happened on
2: that. Jimmy Hoffa, he
3: got convicted, and he wanted a pardon, and Nixon was the president of the United States at that time. So Jimmy Hoffa paid $3 million, that's what I'm told, okay, to get to Nixon. And it adds up to a lot more money than that if Mm you want to get back like these People that investigated it later, the boys in Washington, D.C. and all that. But anyhow, and but he made it. So I'm telling too much, you know, they got to read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm just trying to set up the general heist. Yeah. So the, the
1: general heist is you get a tip from somebody that had inside information on Jimmy Hoffa. And that he had paid off Nixon and you knew where this money was from this slush fund is pretty much what we need to know there. Now, how you got in there and all that, that's, you know, we could read that part in the book, but um, inside the vault, inside Inside the the vault. vault. Now that, now that's incredible. So now when, when these things were going on now, let me finish. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes.
3: I would have never wrote the book inside the vault. If the FBI didn't go to my home and Mill Creek, by Mill Creek Park and stole my fingerprint. They went in my detached garage and I got them dead on that. Page 144 in my book shows everything the FBI stole out of my garage. They gave me that piece of paper on their own under the Freedom of Information Act when I applied for records. Now that's a big mess up for them, but that's their document and what they did They went in my garage FBI agents they lived in my neighbor's house a neighbor owed me eighteen hundred dollars nice guy but they lived in that house a single house right across the street from my house they watching me at my house no question that's why they were there and this gets back to the well I'm jumping way ahead here the Lordstown Bank I also Burglarized the Lordstown Bank.
1: Close to home.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on the Lordstown Bank, when you read my book, you'll see what actually happened. It, there was over half a million dollars, or 450,000, wow. something like that. But by that time, because somebody tried to Burglarized a bank in Warren. It wasn't us. Uh huh. It was a net drop, probably one of them thieves from around Youngstown, and they set the alarm off. So Diebold changes their pulse count on their uh, pulser. Uh. They made it more sensitive. So when I strung the wire on Lordstown, and then I flipped the switch, my radio man was across the road. He said a call just came through. He said, alarm drop, alarm drop. Get out of there. Well, we were out of there already, clear yeah. back in the woods with the with the alarm box. So <laughs> we just we just stood still right by the alarm box and watched. Pretty soon two cruisers pulled up. One cruiser pulled up, and then another one pulled up. They shine their light in the doors and everything, looking around. You can hear them talking on a walkie-talkie. Because we got the scanner on, we can hear yeah. them like the, there. And he says, so the, they said, wait, we got to call the president of the bank. So they call the president of the bank, and the president of the bank tells them, is the outside bell ringing? Because it was an outside bell. Yeah. So they look. They look up at the outside bell. What we we're watching hey, You're you
1: hearing all this. You're standing yeah, right we're there. We're
3: watching them. We're we watching <laughs> them. Oh, and man. they said, no, and that's not. That ringing. takes some nerve. He said, "Well, it's a false alarm. We'll uh, see him in the morning." But they didn't know we had put styrofoam in the in the in the alarm. The alarm was bad. <laughs> It was just funny, but that's oh man!
1: Way. I mean, th- now that's amazing. That's amazing. So now, how did how do you think that the FBI got on to you? Now, you know, okay. First of all, they come to your house, they frame you up, they take this stuff illegally, and, and you end up getting framed up in the end. But how did how do you think they got on to you? Or what were was there somebody sure. squealing? Was there you know did they was it just good investigation? And they didn't have the what they needed. They was Nixon nothing. out after you or putting these guys on your wood? How did the how did they get on your trail? From a snitch. Oh, okay. That butchie says to Reno
3: and Cleveland. I agreed to take him
1: uh-huh. to try to help him out.
3: Well, and his partner. They were both snitches. Yeah. But one of them wanted to be another undercover snitch and not let nobody know it. But he finally come out. His name was Phil Christopher.
0: Uh-huh.
3: He's a snitch. And Charlie Bruckles. Two petty thieves is all they were, believe me but he was related to Butcher Sestorino and I agreed to take him, try to help him buy his way off of probation. And I think he was what for a a hijacking a truck or something? Not sure. Yeah, I think it was that they pulled into a lot, but I ain't gonna say because I'm not sure, but I will be sure by the time of that show, (laughs) I will find out, but that's the way that went. Anyhow, bank vaults, concrete. They were easy. They there's nothing hard about them, but takes a little bit of time. That's all.
2: Yeah. You, you asked real quick if if Nixon had put them on the FBI on them. One of those documentaries that they made about this case because they made yeah,
3: anybody they made, can see They TV. made they
2: made several documentaries on on uh, on the Laguna heist, and one of them said that uh, even the FBI guy said it was. The most FBI guys ever assigned to the one case yeah. that Laguna heist at the time, so they
1: probably were on to <laughs> yeah. it. Like, hey, why it's you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Why, why do we have so many guys trying
2: to Nick, see yeah, what's going on Nixon, here? Nixon was still in office.
1: Uh huh. Well,
3: if you go to the FBI files and just put my name in there, Emil Denzio, and you'll see a whole bunch of stuff. Even that reporter you're talking about out there, he did the one on masterminds, you will see these. You can actually see them on uh, television to review them. And when we do this, uh, the show out here, I'm going to be handing that stuff out. And I made some easels too. (laughs) And the easels will be put up there. And you will see what the FBI had to do to get me. Not that I'm a genius. I'm not no genius. I don't claim to be one. But it was just that easy to steal money in them days. Think about going behind a bank, finding it, using a little $5 amplifier, find the phone line, and hook a six-volt battery on it and go steal the money. That's how some of them alarms
1: were in them days. A little six-volt battery kills it. That is, that is, I just find that so amazing. Now, were there any times that you were a suspect and they were questioning you and stuff? Or were you pretty much just out there, just raking in the money? They didn't
3: know nothing. That's why I always wondered another thing, too. What do they teach them in the FBI Academy? What do they teach them? How to steal? Because they come (laughs) to my garage and did it. Yeah. Yeah. was FBI agents. Yeah. When you see, excuse me. Page 144 in my book, you will see up the top, from, it'll say, S-A-C, Los Angeles. Okay? You know what that S-A-C means? No. Special Agent Case. Okay. Every federal criminal trial like that, there they assign an agent to the case. In my case, it was Paul Chamberlain. One of the dirtiest agents they could possibly do. And that's all on my board. When we go up there. And Paul, go yeah,
2: Paul is uh, in some of those documentaries as well. And, you know, yeah. there's, gives You'll his, see his him point on of view there too.
1: So you were also very meticulous about not leaving any clues at the scene, anything like that. You were out of sight. Never, you, you, did, you, you did. never dropped the glove. Or, now, did you wear gloves this whole time too? Yep. You know, no, no fingerprints. Put them and, in your
2: pocket. You uh-huh. He did tell me that, you know, they wore the masks, too, and they yeah. sweat so much that if today he said there'd be, you know, if they did yeah. DNA back then, <laughs> oh, yeah, they the would have caught them quick. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, you know.
2: Now, were you cool and
1: calm when you were doing these or were you
3: we Got to get this done? And, oh, yeah. You know, well, we knew we had monitors on, you know, we knew uh-huh. what the cops were doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We,
3: we knew all that all the time, like uh, Harry, my nephew and that. Laguna Heights.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We had an apartment there, and he was there, and he was in touch with us all the time.
2: The lookout. Yeah,
3: it, it was nothing to it. My brother-in-law Chuck Mulligan, he'd be on a the hillside there, looking at the whole thing. It, it really, it, it was
1: a set and duck. Uh huh. You know, most of them are <laughs> that we do. And probably the smaller towns were probably really easy, huh?
3: Oh yeah, but. You don't get the money. Oh, you. Oh, oh, you oh so like you time. said, you
1: got to go where there's a Sears and a Pennies and this well, and that. Where
3: What they do to most of them night drops, they're in the front by the front window in the front. So yeah. Use them. Yeah. They'll have a mirror inside for the cops to take a look in that mirror and it'll be sh- that shining down at the door of the night drop because we drill them open from inside. So that's what they have. But When you got an outside man watching for you. And they said, we always would say, Mother. Mother's coming by, mother's coming by, you know. (laughs) We just get back. The mirror's looking down there like that, there. They drive by.
2: Cause I get the, cop, I know, the they cops, they the cops are
3: coming. Now
1: that had to take nerves of steel, huh? You're inside this bank and well, there's like hole
3: I, We had a hole to go out if we needed
2: it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get out of there pretty quick.
2: <laughs> yeah, the question about like the adrenaline and that that kind of thing, it's you know you, Emil when he started off as a young man of 16, they went into these places with a gun and hold it, stick them up. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That's yeah. that's a lot different. They they realized that, that wasn't what they wanted to do. Instead, yeah. they started doing these these burglaries, these heists where at night where there's nobody in there. So, you know, he could be more relaxed while he mm-hmm. did it. And they had it under control where they controlled the situation. So it's a much different dynamic. It,
1: it, yeah, I could, I could see it. That's a, that would probably be the way to go because you don't know if somebody's going to shoot you. or Now that's when you start getting, you know, eyewitnesses. Then you start getting cars and getaway cars. And you start adding all kinds of clues to that. And then, you know, what happens if something goes wrong and you end up shooting somebody or somebody gets shot? Now you're really in trouble. Well, Plus, there was more money, right, Amil?
3: Yeah, when more money vaults, in the vault yeah, than there no. is in the tellers. When, when we were heisting them banks, we did it so fast you would never believe it. No kidding. Yeah, we never <laughs> believe it.
1: I was really in shape. Yeah. You know? Well, you're <laughs> still in good shape. How yeah, old are you?
3: I was really in shape. Right, right now I'm eighty-seven.
1: Eighty-seven, and look yeah. at this guy, man. I mean, he's slim, he's trim, he's in good shape. And he's and he's still smart as a whip, man. I mean, you know, I mean, this guy's out telling all these stories and writing books and when everything I come through the door. My brother's right
3: behind me with a sawed off. Right there like that there. Nobody moved. Uh-huh. I tell him, hit the floor. I bail right up over the counter. Head cashier, that's the one you want to get first. It's yes. right by the huh.
0: It's
3: got the deep drawers, $100 bills down in there, 50s. 90s. That's the main one. You do like this with the money. If it do not bend, throw it on the floor because that's the oh. one that has the red dye. Yeah. And yeah. The gas. yeah. To do this. Yeah. You tell immediately, just throw it on the floor. <laughs> and you go in say,
2: so, You know, there's a question I see somebody on there. They said, you know, why would you promote this stuff? Right. Yeah. So I, I just want to, you know, respond to that real quick and say, listen, you know, there's these are the things people make movies out of. There's so many movies you've seen about bank robbers and bank heists. It's one of the most prevailing genre, genres sub genres of film and entertainment right right people are fascinated with this stuff right so you know how often are you going to get a- amel served his time amel did a lot of time behind bars right how, how many years did you well, do we're going
3: to get together on that too
2: <laughs> how many how many how, real Third, quick
3: i've been in jail 35 years
2: 35 okay. years of his life so amel's paid the price amel's done his time how many times are you going to be able to talk to somebody who's Who's lived that life, who can tell that story now that, you know, it's in the rear view. Right. And and everything's been, you know, what happened, happened. Jimmy and I, we do these podcasts about the mob history and we answer a lot of the same questions, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Why do you guys talk about this stuff? Those kind of things. It's history. It's this stuff happened and it's also just happens to be fascinating. I'm sorry. Oh, it but, is. Yeah. It is. I
1: mean, and then, I mean, when you look at all the mob movies and the Sopranos and all this stuff is fascinating and it even goes back further to Jesse James and Bonnie and Clyde and every, you know, there's a, this is just like human nature that people find this stuff fascinating. Like this story here, this is the only place you're going to hear this from this man right here. Yeah. It And it's just so amazing that here's this kid out in Goshen, you know, and uh, gets a job at a strip mine and figures this all out. And I mean, who would have thought to go to Diebold and break into their
4: into their company? I mean, a ballsy move. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: definitely, <laughs> a good move.
4: And I thought so too. Well, you know, the other thing too is, you know, there's not a lot of these guys left like this. Yes, right? I mean, yes. Youngstown in this area and and the history that this area has. He's a youngstown legend, right? Right. There's not too many of them left. No. So when you get the chance to talk to these people and hear these stories, you take the chance because you may never get them again, right? Absolutely. So you take them when you can get them.
2: Absolutely. It's, it's also a different era. We're not saying anything, you know, nobody should go out and try to rob a bank today. You'd be a fool. Yeah. With with the kind of, you know, it's, it's a different era th- with security and everything else. Like Amel was saying, back then they had they had no security. People weren't trying to you know, do do bank jobs back then. So it was very easy for Amol and these guys to to figure it out and get through not very, you know, pop in the back latch of a, of a bank door oh. when you were 16, that's not how it is anymore. So don't, <laughs> right. don't go out and try to commit any, any of these burglaries guys. Is, yeah. I, we yeah. do not recommend those. And that. you know
1: what, with all the plastic too, you would probably imagine that there's not as much money in these oh, banks as there banks used to today be.
3: There's no good at all. No good.
1: You know, Everybody's JTD using plastic for everything.
3: Okay. You don't know it. Yeah. Everything's direct deposit and there's no money. There's no money. You start.
4: <laughs> yeah, any anytime you go to a bank now if you want like more than 5 grand cash, yeah. you got to make an appointment to come back cuz they don't yeah, have, they, they don't, don't no keep money. that kind of money on hand. Right, right. Right. You got no money.
1: Yeah. So, and that's another thing, too. This is a bygone era. And this yeah. is, just, I, I personally find this fascinating. I think this is fascinating. I think all the stories, I think stories about the mob in Youngstown and Lenny Strollo and everybody, I think those stories, it, there's just that certain amount of interest in it. It's not like you're, you know, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like, like I, it, I'm, I'm sure nobody's sitting here watching this podcast going, hey, I think I'm going to go be a bank robber.
4: You know? <laughs> I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what's funny. So when I was growing up as a kid, I always wanted to be, of course, like my uncle Joe. He wanted to be in the mob and all right. that. And I tried, I tried my hand at being a criminal and it didn't fare out too well. So I went the other way, thank God. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's just a fascinating history. And like Amil says, you know, you can't even trust law enforcement. Like he had, you know, he had the feds setting him up, mm-hmm. you know. We had, you know, we had feds on the payroll here in Youngstown that would that would do those same kind of things, right? <laughs> so it's it's, it's not a far-fetched to believe that the Feds aren't capable of it, right? Because oh, not at all. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah.
3: I'm going to tell you something. And this is so simple. What the bank and Laguna Nagel had on it. It's not even an alarm. It's what it's called. The theory of the McCullough loop. Okay? That's what it is. You can pick up your phone right now, ask them about the McCullough loop. The color loop is just like your place here. The alarm control box set over here, loop, goes through that door, round the windows, back door or whatever, cut that loop in a place the alarm goes off, right? It's a loop. That's what that stupid bank had. <laughs> McCullough loop. It's called a circuit alarm.
1: It ain't no good at all. You know what? <laughs> it's almost like you guys had it coming <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a twisted way. It's like if this is all you got, you're almost in, inviting this man to come and do it. You well, know? Then, well then
3: look You at ever see too. the doors? At least, at least coming down on Yeah. That? Yeah. <laughs> you can walk by that door on the way out with a key, scratch it. Scratch across that lead, because that's what it is. Now you separate it. The alarm will go off at ADT right now. When you do that, even in the daytime, they monitored day and night. And they do that for when you close your business here today, right? And you try to set your alarm, it ain't gonna set because it's cut over there. And they don't even know. But <laughs> what they do is send a man out in the daytime, before you close, and then he finds it. See, just little simple things like that.
1: Jeez. <laughs> that was, yeah. Now, a- after you, you know, you-, you go through your whole thing, you pay your dues and everything. And now, did you get to the point? Did you ever become like a consultant to these people and help them build better, build a better mousetrap? trap? No you weren't like, hey, here's how we Yeah, you. So you kept that to yourself. Then you yeah. didn't come out there and say, oh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I was a, a cyber hacker. And now I'm going to go work for a Internet company and show them how not to do. That's probably you know what? You, you were like a modern day or early day cyber hacker, because now that's how people are robbing banks and getting money and stuff. Like, like like Joe here, you know, what do you got? Joe, you, you know what? We're sitting here saying we probably shouldn't do these kind of shows because it might make people figure stuff out. Joe is probably in the back room right now with some kind of
3: thing going on. Well, see, the only thing that protects a bank is the alarm system uh-huh. in them days. And today, yeah. too. Yeah. The vault is nothing to go through there. You know, really, it was. It's concrete. And, you know, you yeah. start chipping on the concrete, it breaks up. And when you stick, in my book, I'll show you how we even blow the holes. Uh, When you go down in the middle of that concrete, 18 inches of concrete, put the little jar down there, falls apart. It's no big deal, really. Who would have thought?
1: I I would have thought that doing something like this would have been like just... Now you got guys – what do you think about these guys that robbed the ATM machines? Is that even worth it or is that too much work? It sounds to me like what, what these guys do to steal an ATM machine and have to crack it and beat it up and everything, it seems to me like that would be way too much work and you guys were pulling off bank heists with less effort than that.
3: Yeah. I've opened a couple of them when I was in the bank. Uh-huh. Because they were already in the bank through the wall.
1: Yeah. You just pop in there and yeah. see. Well, what's in you there. take
3: all the money and you. Mm-hmm. How much you got? Not much in them.
1: Yeah, probably not even worth it. There's
3: more in them than there is the ones that's sitting outside, like in the corner of a lot. Yeah, yeah, the ones inside the bank.
1: Yeah, you got to figure them. that. You know, there's somebody tried to rob that one on Midlothian. Yeah, uh, so a, they, a couple they, weeks ago.
2: They got and, buzzed They were they. <laughs> they had they had ripped off. uh I, mean, I was working that night and we came across the scanner and it was they. They were following them from 680 down down Midlothian because the uh, they went out and they stole a couple vans, and the vans that they stole had
4: GPS, GPS yeah. a G, a track
2: <laughs> tracker, yeah, you know, GPS on it. And so yes. they literally they they the guy knew that you know they reported it stolen, so they they watched these guys go all the way down you know 680 and get off and go down Midlothian. They knew right where they were. They get them?
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then yeah. one
2: of them, one of the guys, <laughs> well, a few of them ran. And the one they caught one of them and he immediately copped and told said that they were responsible for doing a bunch of these around northeast Ohio. Yeah. And
1: so, uh, yeah, I always thought that'd be way too much work. Yeah, so, you know a, or you, you, you drive a car through the building to get it and then you you got five guys trying to throw this thing into a truck and you know why they try to do that one that's beyond me and how do that, you even, at that point yeah. i think i would just get a job at
4: that point how do you even know how much money's in there yeah what, what, what if it's <laughs> you know almost empty yeah
1: or yeah how much do they really put in those machines right. okay say you got a little convenience store maybe you put three hundred dollars in at a time four hundred dollars or something how many how much money could possibly people be going through there you know yeah one of
2: the one of the things that shocked me when didn't shock me but it was it was fascinating to learn through all the research that I've done was the Youngstown had you know a lot of thieves a lot of guys who went out and did heists of grocery stores department stores Amel and his crew they went big they did they were the only guys doing banks Right Bank vaults. there was nobody else doing bank vaults, but around Youngstown, there was guys other guys could beat ADT security, right, right. Um, different like I said, m- mostly these kind of stores, and they would get these little scores, you know, a lot of these guys, but there was a ton of these guys. Youngstown had one of the biggest kind of network of those guys, you know that that was fascinating to learn. <laughs> so
4: yeah, my, my uncle on my mother's side used to tell me the story about how they used to rob department stores they would get a sledgehammer and they'd get the head and they'd make it out of lead. And they'd get one of those big box trucks with the door on the side. They open the door, pull right up next to the building. They knock a hole in the block wall with the lead sledgehammer, go right in that way.
1: Oh yeah. They used to do that everywhere, man. Just bust a hole in the wall and be gone in in no time flat, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we almost invented it. We might've not invented it in Youngstown, but boy, we sure perfected it or we, (laughs) we sure popularized it. That's for sure. So that's that that's just some some crazy stuff. So, Emil, was there one big heist you were planning after this one? Or what was your like your next thing? Or how far ahead did you plan these? And was there something you were thinking that was going to be bigger than this one that you did out in California?
3: See. California wasn't the biggest we did. Oh, okay. It was big, but it wasn't the biggest. Uh-huh. FBI knows it. Yeah. They know everything. Mm-hmm. When somebody robs a bank, even if it comes in the, through the top, any way you want to see it, go on the FBI files, go right down through there and your watch, right? Say you, you robbed the bank by you always come in the top. This goes right up to Washington DC and the FBI files. Entry was made in this bank through the roof. Now, two months later, someone entries. Through the roof, that goes up there, right? Now they know they're coming in. Or they went through the back, like you said, with a sledgehammer through the block, see? They keep track of all that. That's why you're going to see at the theater Friday my easels, what the FBI did in our case to grab us, okay? It's amazing. It's worth the price of the ticket (laughs) just to see my easels what they do, how they do it. Not only did they rob my garage, they took ordinary pictures because a camera overshot it and photographed something below it. So they tear it off, the picture. The Where's my attorneys? Now, one time did they challenge that part, but that ain't the big part. That boiled down to where they searched the car in California, which is all in my book with pictures and all. They changed the shotgun in the picture. How do you like that one? Wow. Thoughting they could get away with it. And they almost got away with it. But I look at all that stuff. And you can really see it if you really concentrate. From a pump shotgun to an automatic. How do you do that?
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: He's got a picture of him. I gave him to him.
2: <laughs> he, he gave me a lot of stuff. And we'll yeah. we'll show, you know, Emil, he'll get to tell his side of it at the at the... Uh, Robbins Theater Friday February 9th we encourage everybody to get tickets um, at the box office or you know call them go on their website robinstheater.com you know inside the vault a master class with a master burglar
1: it is going to be an interesting, fascinating night if you're into true crime and if you're if you're a fan of things like Dateline and all those other kind of shows, this is one for you and you're going to see the man from Youngstown live and in person. Amel, I want to thank you for taking some time out here with us today. A, a fascinating story and I can't wait to hear you get more in-depth coming up this weekend. Thank so... You. Uh, where can they find more information on, you know, everybody here give, give where we could find more information about you guys, what you all got going on. And then we'll wrap it up.
3: I'm going to have over a hundred books or just buy a book. The books are cheap. Books are cheap, but you get a knowledge out of them. you see what the FBI did. Page one forty four is the key.
2: Yeah. Emil, Emil, will sign the books for you guys there. He'll, he'll have signed, you know, copies. Um, you can find us, Anywhere you get your podcast, Youngstown Mob Talk, um, you know, from Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those places, uh, or YouTube. We have a channel on YouTube with video you can watch. You know, we got hours and hours of content. Tons of content. Um, You know, tons of stuff on there. So, you know, the documentary Youngstown Still Standing, all kinds of old news clips. If you want to learn more about Youngstown Mob History, you know, you got to find us on YouTube, uh, amazing podcast company.
4: So... And you can also check us out on Facebook group, Youngstown Mob. That's Youngstown Mob on the Facebook group. And we're also Pittsburgh Mob as well. Uh, So check us out on Facebook. Uh, Over 31,000 members. If you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? Get on there. Get on there.
1: I love it. All right, James Naples, Johnny Ciccatelli. And the legend, the living legend who you'll have a chance to meet and talk to this Friday, Amel D'Ninzio. Amel, thanks for taking some time out with us, guys. Great time, and I hope we do it again real soon. Maybe we'll talk some other different subjects and stuff. Once again, Amel, fascinating story. Guys, keep up the good work with what you do. People love it, and we're going to wrap things up. We want to thank our producer tonight, Joe Danyer, for running the show, and we just want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next Monday night.
2: Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. This is original Youngstown
4: content. Feel free to share our videos and tell your friends about us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook.